What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Ah, podcast time. And this week, I've got my homie Andy uh, from Shermanology. We couldn't get his sister Dorothy on. Um, so just got one half of Shermanology. Uh, I've known them both for a few years now. I've uh, worked on a couple of records that still haven't been released. That are, one of them's coming out this year called Searching and the record called Father is coming out next year. Um, but I, I absolutely love these guys. Andy, I've kind of worked with him more than Dorothy. Um, but I have this just great relationship with Andy and I, I, I love him to bits. He's one of the nicest guys. Been through a lot in the industry and at this moment in time is I've I've seen it happen in the last couple of years, just things kind of build and build and build. They've just released a record called Boys in the Club, which is this amazing like groovy like it's almost like new yorky kind of hip house vibe with like caribbean -y influence and you'll hear all about that in the podcast um it's on their own record label called dope that they've launched yeah it's just i i just love these guys so much i've got so much time for them so without further ado shermanology i see you got the coffee ready Oh man! You got the you got the top you got the top hat on and, and you got the glasses my, on. It's my third one. Now that you know, <laughs> we know we know <laughs> we know it's a Saturday morning when this is happening. <laughs> What's going on, man? Yeah, good, good. It's just as you can see, I'm all covered up because I've been having these late night studio sessions to like in the morning. Mm. And it's something new because before that I was like only sitting in the studio until like 10. But then suddenly I was like, no, I, my music needs something darker. So I think we <laughs> need to shift, shift the time. <laughs> do you, do you find it helped? Um, or do you just find you're more no. tired? <laughs> yeah. You know what the thing is like, because we're not DJing. Yeah. I wake up at six in the morning. So mm. at seven, mm. I'm sitting in front of my, 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 my screen. Yeah. And then I carry on until 10, 11 at night. And then at a certain point, you're like, bro, you've been sitting here for 16 hours. What do you expect? Yeah. Do you expect inspiration to come like this? Sometimes yeah. it works. But sometimes you just have to like be like, brother, let's just have fun with it. If I go till late at night, then that's what it is. Yeah, I can see... It comes. I I kind of I haven't been writing for myself for over a month now. I've been like doing sessions with other people and like writing music for other people and kind of like writing some pop stuff for other people and just like getting out of my head of trying to write Will Clark music. And then also I like refurb my studio and kind of changed it up. It hasn't been changed in like nine years, and now <laughs> I'm just like loving life and i got in the studio yesterday for the first time and was like doing a zoom session with one of my friends and yeah i just like felt like i could write techno again <laughs> yeah but you have to change the scenery it's so stupid but just yeah. putting a desk and some plants and stuff like that made such a difference for Mad. the state of mind yeah I, I totally agree it's what it's weird though because you'd think i guess it's just we we live off change. Our lives are always changing all the time, just purely because we're always on the road. We're meeting new people. We're, we're in different settings all the time. And now it's just like same four walls, baby. 
That's it. And, and you, you feed off energy. So when you get a lot of inspiration, it's because you feel energy of other people and you get inspired by stuff. And with all that just falling away, you have to find your inspirations from, from different kind of places. So I get you. Yeah. Get out there, make some pop music, you know, just be musical and just mm. see where the mind goes. Yeah, man. Whereabouts are you in the world right now? At home in Amsterdam. Back back in Amsterdam. How is it? I w- uh, to be honest, I, I went to, to, to the Caribbean for a couple of months. Yeah, I saw that. Just to change scenery and be more with my dad and just, you know, go is that where home. Fa- is that where your dad's from? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. And I grew up over there. Oh, amazing. So when I was there, I was like, yes, this is, this is more like the life I want to live. Mm. And then the COVID kicked in and all the numbers went up and they told everyone like, yo, guys, we're only an island from 150,000 people. Yeah. We have a thousand cases a day. Yeah. So can we please let all the people that don't live here go back to their country because they didn't have no more beds on the mm. IC. So I was like, you know what, Andy, respect your country, respect what they're asking you. So I said, I'm going to go back home. Yeah. Stay here for a couple of months. And then when touring starts again, then I'm going to try and do more on that side of the ocean. So you're going to try and live, move over there? Um, not really move 100%. So when mm. we do Europe, I want to keep Amsterdam as my base. Yeah. And when we do America, South America, I go okay, back home. You know, that's, that's the that's the plan. You know how it goes in the mind. That's the plan. Dude, I'm exactly the same. Like, I've been back home in the UK for, well, over a year now. And it's, I, I, I'd spent a lot of my career in America and I love America. I've obviously got my place in Detroit and I absolutely love it. But I'm like... I'm at the point now where I'm like, I kind of want to have like a place here, like f- like a proper place and kind of build some roots here again. Just mm-hmm. just because it's like, it's home, isn't it? There's nothing better yeah. than home. Would you would you leave the, the US? I'd, I'd always have a place there. I love, I love touring in America. Um, and I still feel like I want to do more in America and South America and kind of, it's just, it's just great to have a place there um, yeah, man. and have a studio there and be able to like go tour for like three months and also live there and kind of get involved in the culture there and things like that. Um, but I don't know, something about being back home in the UK, I haven't been like this for a while, like where I'm just like, I like, I, I've always loved being at home. I love, I like, I live next door to my parents. Like it's just, it's a great vibe. If you know what I mean, my brothers and sisters always come around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something about it that I just like this just it just feels like a good time to just put some more roots down in the UK maybe yeah. maybe you're maybe maybe I think what it is I don't know don't know for you is is it just like that the COVID situation where it's like makes you reevaluate life a little bit more and like where exactly be? exactly because like my mom lives in Suriname that's next to Brazil and my dad lives in Curaçao, that's in front of Venezuela. And, you know, uh, the last co- 10 years or even longer, I've been only chasing my dream, mm. you know? Mm. And chasing your dream is good, but there's so much more. Because when this dream fades or you achieve whatever, if you don't, if it didn't work on the rest of your life... yeah then you're going to be miserable. You know, I've seen so many guys with so much money having success. And when they have 
to do a family barbecue or a friend barbecue, he has to ask other DJs to come around because he doesn't have any friends. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm like, focus on friends and family yeah. and the things that matter too. Because otherwise, the balance is going to be totally off. Like today, my sister and uh, my cousin, another friend, are going to stay over for two days. Mm. And we're just going to have a couple of days of just chilling, chilling. eating. And you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's important, man. It's really, it is really important. I think we can live in this bubble, right, of of DJs and music life, and it's not, it's not. It is reality for us, but it's not real life, um, like <laughs> at all. It's not real life at all, and kind of like. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I want the the normality of nine to five work, and I, no. def- I definitely don't want no. that. Fuck no, that. no, 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 no. But you're right. You. I think it's really healthy to have relationships and and friendships outside of music and also that's not it's not started through music it's not it's there's no like hidden in, hidden agendas or anything like that it's purely like authentic relationships because you know what's mad because I've been sitting in the studio for the last years like 16 hours a day when I get in a situation where it's not music related, mm. sometimes I get uncomfortable okay. because I'm so used in only talking about music, yeah. doing music, that when the conversation switches, sometimes I'm like, hmm, I just want to go back to the studio. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be here. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you get to yeah. that point and I'm like, Andy, why are you running back to the studio? Mm. Just chill disconnect sometimes and yeah. that's where my <laughs> yeah see i i know i i hear you with that i i kind of do the opposite where even even my whole music career i've i never like talking about music unless i'm with somebody that's in music yeah yeah unless yeah, of course I, like yeah um and i really struggle to talk i don't know about you but like when you're with your mates that aren't in music like I don't like it when they ask me questions about my career. <laughs> oh, me neither. Me neither. What's that about, man? Me neither. I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> because I'm so against bragging. Yeah, same. So when I start talking about what I'm doing mm. and I get the slightest feeling that it might be a bit, not bragging, but even the thought of someone thinking that it's bragging, yeah. I prefer to stop talking about it. And then when it comes out or something happens, then that's good. You know, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I'm like, switch it up. What, 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 when people, when you like, when you're on a plane, what do you say you, you do when you're, uh, when you like talk to random people? No, I don't even talk about <laughs> that, that we're doing music. No, yeah, because I don't feel like having that conversation. I'll be like, "Oh, so let me hear what you're making." Yeah, yeah, fuck. No, that. no. Have you ever been in Uber and they're like, <laughs> "I hate it when this happens." When um, when you kind of like get talking to an Uber driver and then you they they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm like a rapper or I'm a producer," <laughs> and then they start playing their music. And I'm like, it's the most uncomfortable <laughs> feeling in the fucking world. <laughs> what are you supposed to say? If, if it's not what, you know, if you're not, I, I never disencourage anyone. No, never. Never. If, if, bro, if you like it and you believe it, there must be a market for it. So yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. But 
yeah, I, it's it's weird sometimes. Yeah, there's there's some ego, man. It's a hell of a thing. Ego in in uh in people is is wild, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it's great. It it kind of keeps the world going, but it also like slows things down so much just purely because of someone's ego. I think ego is the biggest problem in the world. Yeah. Like even sometimes when when I catch myself like giving a reaction because like your music is your passion, it's mm. your baby. So when people are not fair or trying to push through a deal that is doesn't make any sense, mm. sometimes I get quite snappy. Yeah. And then I'm like, no Andy, no ego, no ego. Not from their side, not from your side. And once you get to know for yourself how many times ego is the problem, and it doesn't have to be like the big ego that everyone thinks, but just a little bit of ego in your head or in the other person's head that you're doing business with can mess up so much. I've seen so many deals go bad because of ego yeah. and managers and yeah. stuff like that, that I'm like, yo, guys, if you get the the deal straight from the start mm. that everyone knows what they're working for and everyone everything is fair then there's no ego totally, you know man. but when things get complicated that's something that i'm like yo guys come on now yeah it's 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 a rough it's rough isn't it it's i, I, I did you ever get have a point in your career because i definitely have um where it's usually at the, it was at the beginning of my career mostly when you'd see people around you achieve things and you'd be like, what the, f how, why the fuck have they got that? Like, why can't I get this? Why, why am I not getting this? And, um, a, a moment that really switched for me was when I, I, I can't remember how old I was. It was a few years ago. Um, and I was just like, we're so happy for everyone around me to be successful and actually want, to go out of my way to make people successful and even if they're more successful than me that makes me happy if you know what I mean and kind of being really happy for my friends to be smashing it and like yeah if like my friend's record gets played on the radio and mine doesn't I'm really genuinely happy for them and and I think that's what really helped me kind of maybe not like stress about my life as much and about my career because i was just like if i'm happy for everyone else like it makes it made my life so much easier <laughs> yeah yeah no it's, it definitely is you know because um i mean for for for, for our story mm. i've seen so many djs around me just start after me mm. and just pass me like with 300 miles per hour you're like mm. boom and as you said in the beginning you're like no but i'm working so hard to achieve it and further down the line i understand I, I i always said it but i never understood that everybody has everyone has their own road yeah man and some people reach their destination in one year yeah and within two years they're done yeah the other one it takes 15 years to to get there but um, I mean, for me, at the point where we're at right now, um, we had like four, three or four year, years ago, I had the biggest dip ever musically. Yeah. I didn't know where I wanted to go. Mm. 
I wasn't happy with the stuff that we were doing. Neither was Dorothy. And um, we said, you know, we need to reset, start from scratch. Yeah. And uh, from that point, I started to realize that, oh, now that I did like hip hop stuff for three years mm. and, and Caribbean stuff I tried to produce for other people and we did other electronic stuff. Now, the sound that we're making now is a combination of everything that I did in the last 10 years, yeah. even without having a plan, mm. you know, just to make music. And once every, everything starts falling together, then you start to understand, okay, my road had to be that long yeah. for me to come to this place. Because if I wasn't sitting in the studio and I didn't know how, how I was going to pay my bill this month and try to go back to my Caribbean roots, I would not have the songs that I have right now because a yeah. lot of the songs are stuff that I wrote in the t period that I was just having fun with music without a plan. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that's, yeah, that's the thing. And once you once you can be happy also for your friends mm. and you erase the space that normally used to fill up with ego and jealousy, yeah. when, when you can take that away, everything will 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 go your way because that's what blocks the whole universe the negativity the jealousy the envy yeah man i totally agree it's, it's um it was a strange time when i don't know if, if you felt it when kind of like shows started getting announced in around the world for after covid um and you like saw lineups come out and things like that and I had like a few DJ mates be like, one of my one of my good mates. I won't say his name, but he was like, "Dude, why aren't you on these lineups?" And I was like, I, wait, "We've got a plan. Like I'm like my team have got a plan. We're we're we've got one goal in mind, and we're sticking to our plan no matter what. Just because we've been not working for it over a year, like." And he's like, "Oh, I just was like thinking, like you didn't do any live streams. You haven't haven't kind of." done much during lockdown and like being DJing much and things like that maybe like people won't book book you and I'm like I don't care it's that's not my plan is this mm -hmm. and and I think this is it's like in if somebody said that to me four years ago I would be like so mad and I'd be like getting worried and getting like jealous of everyone and like seeing everyone come and like play these shows and things like that and it's like well no I, they, they've got their road they've got their plan and what they're trying to get to I've got mine and we're sticking to what we want to do and I think by accepting that your plan is for you your your path in this career is in this life is is what you decide to do and by doing that it just alleviates so much stress yeah so yeah, much that, but that's not there's, there's there's the only way you can achieve i think in 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 this scene is to have a story and a plan of your own yeah man and it's hard it's hard especially when you see other people making moves but in the end mm. when you get to that place where you want to be they will say okay i'm i'm really proud of you that you stick to your plan because when it's hard nobody understands yeah. until you get where you want to be, you know? Yeah. But the only thing that I'm like, you have to stick to your plan because within 10 years, when maybe we'll be doing something else, if I didn't achieve, 
I'm like, I did my plan. Yeah. But I do not want to get to a certain age where I feel like I never did what I had in mind and I only listened to managers and I mm. only listened to people in the scene. And in the end, a lot of times the artist knows what fits with their brand the most. Of right. course, you need a team to work it out and it's all about team effort. But in the end, it's the vision that you have in mind. You have to set out the whole the whole world. Whole yeah, story. It's, it's almost like not chasing somebody else's dream right you have to kind of chase your own and, and kind of work for your own because yeah we we could all have there's a lot of people that are extremely successful in what they do um but they're always trying to be somebody else like commercial guys trying to be super underground and cool and super underground people trying to write commercial records mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and kind of be the big the big stars and it's like guys you got you got to pick what you want to do. You can do both. You can do all, but if you've got to make sure that that's that's the that's what your plan is. Um, you can't just go from one thing to another. You have to actually do it fucking properly, and you yeah. got you got to work it and build foundations and be the best at it as you possibly can. Yeah, man, definitely. Especially when I see people, their plan coming along. I I enjoy. Yeah, man. I enjoy the stubborn artist that everybody was like, no, and he just does it his way, and it and it works out. I'm, well, you yeah. got you guys are you guys are there. You're like through going through it. I and I've seen it from we. When did we start working together? Like, we wrote. When did we write far, write father? And no, one, was, and no one has actually ever well people have heard it but they don't they don't know it's not, out it's not out not yet. yet not yet <laughs> it's a, it's a year, i think it's a year and a half ago i think it's longer longer yeah because i was in yeah you were touring I, yeah i think two years mm, i think so Ooh. because we've been in we've been in covid for a year mate yeah then it's two years yeah then it's definitely two years yeah, yeah. and and then you guys, it felt like you'd like just made your plan of like what you're yes. kind of wanting to do and, and the direction that you wanted to take things. And, and, uh, yeah, it just felt like you were just like, cause obviously you had like a very successful past back in the day. And what did you do? Like Avicii records? Yeah. The, the thing is with us, we, we started like with, the housey, housey stuff in Holland and um, where we did the three minutes to explain with Feta and Funkerman. Yeah. That was a, the first record. Oh, Funkerman. I love that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love that guy. You know, and then, and then um, uh, Afrojack came along because mm. when the whole thing started, everything in Holland was house, house. Yeah. Like Afrojack's first release was on Defected. Yeah the radio guy or whatever. So that was a period where everybody was doing the house stuff. And then at a certain point, um, Afrojack asked us for a vocal. So we wrote Can't Stop Me for him. And then mm-hmm. Afici re- for, asked for a vocal. No, Afici was first. And then we gave him Blessed. Yeah. Um, and then at a certain point, we started touring and doing all the big shows. And mm. um, But musically, uh, Nick asked me, Afrojack, to sign with him. And I told them, yo, bro, we can sign, but I really want to keep the Sherman identity in what we're doing. Yeah. So that was the deal. And then uh, we started releasing music and I noticed that he wanted to shift us left in the direction of Black Eyed Peas and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, 
at a certain point, I w- we were doing the big shows and I told Dorothy, yo, let's be honest. If the crowd wasn't standing in front of us, if you would take away the crowd, mm. would you still play this song? Yeah. You know, and at a certain point, we're like, no, we cannot do a sound that we don't believe in. Because if I'm in a car, I don't play it. If I'm with friends, I don't play it. Hey, Dorothy, let's reset everything. Even though we were earning good money and doing big shows, musically, we, we were so unhappy mm. without disrespecting anyone yeah, of course. who helped us along along the way, you know, because yeah. I'm grateful. And even, even the, the EDM side is a side that I had to do mm. to get where I am right now. Yeah. Because I know how um, I could always work a crowd with le- tracks that weren't EDM yeah. on the, in the set, but still had energy to rock a big crowd. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Yeah, at a certain point, we said, Dorothy, let's stop with everything. Mm. We fired our agent. We fired the management. We fired the whole thing. And everybody looked at us like, guys, are you guys are you guys okay? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, guys, it's going to take me at least four or five years to reset this, this thing, but let's take the risk. And then we started doing records for... How, can, I, can I stop? Can I go back to that? Um, when you're like, okay, it's going to take four to five years to build this shit up. Like, what's that feeling when you tell everyone, guys, we're quitting? Like, what is that feeling? It's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. Because you're saying no to um, a secure future. Mm. And that's the point where I was like, yo, you can keep on doing what you want and have financial uh, independency, yeah, but be musically very unhappy, mm. or do it again because I mean we've been in the scene for <laughs> more than fifteen years, yeah. So you've seen the changes; it comes back around again, it changes it again. So the circle keeps coming back. And when I saw that um, the EDM was peaking, but it was in my home. I knew that four or five years later, house was going to come back in a way that it has to. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I said, Dorothy, never mind the money. We we will struggle. Let's listen. Let's let's go for the struggle. And a lot of people didn't know, but it was it was a real struggle that, mm. you know, at a certain point I said, Dorothy, don't worry. Because the house scene wasn't ready of no. I wasn't ready for the house scene because I didn't know what sound I wanted to make to be different yeah. than what's because there's no point in copying. So I said, Dorothy, doing house right now, let's do it on the side, but let's focus on writing songs for other people. Yeah. And then we started doing dance hall songs for Shaggy. Oh, really? For, uh, yeah, for 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 Quincy, for uh, Bob Daddy's son. Okay. Quincy. Yeah. We did. Uh, I produced a record for him and Shaggy. Um, <laughs> I did dancehall stuff for Pato Ranking. I did like real Caribbean stuff, yeah, like yeah. the dancehall, like. That's and then amazing. I did that for for a year, a year and a half with a friend of mine called DJ Buddha, who does like the Latin kind of stuff. And then after writing all those songs, I was like, okay, now we're doing the pop side just to get our Caribbean flavors out yeah, because yeah. I was like, I want to do that Caribbean stuff, but I don't want to do it 
in a cheesy way. I want mm. it to be dance hall, like when I was a kid standing on a dance floor and the bass just, that's what I want to recreate. Yeah. So I started doing that and we started writing records like hot on dance hall stuff. Mm. And then when we did that for like two years and we had an arsenal like uh, on vocals, I was like, okay, and now I want to try and make this stuff house. Yeah. And that's when I took the urban records and started like remixing our own stuff. And that's how I found the sound that we're doing right now, like the Caribbean, but still house yeah. mixed up. Yeah. So that was the whole, the whole journey. That's cool, man. That's cool. And I guess like going back to when you were like, I'm out, I'm out of this EDM kind of scene. Like when you were like, okay, it's done. It's out. Was that a nice feeling? Because I, I guess the thing is, is that I'm, like I've I've had situations like that where I've like sat down I I left management and I've sat down with myself and was like what do I actually want out of this like where do I want to be who who do I want when someone sees Will Clark on a lineup what do I want them to think and when I worked that out because it changes right you 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 those things change in your life and the beginning of my touring career it was like i want i want to be part of dirty bird i want to be like the man in dirty bird and then it got to the point where i was like okay i don't want that anymore i've i've done i can't go any further in that so what do i need now i need i want to create my own thing and that's when Mm -hmm. all we have is now started but for me having ryan my manager like it was like super key to have the right person around me and the right team around me to help achieve that um what when did you get to the point where you're at what now where it's like we need somebody else to kind of work with us and kind of help us achieve where we want to get to um or you on your own in this in this whole journey i i focus on two things because i knew that i had to work on a sound that stood for what dorothy and i stand for but I knew that I also had to work on the spiritual side and the music side, like business-wise. So mm. I started reading books like Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and I started reading things like uh, The Power of Now okay. for me to find a balance between everything that I wanted to do. Yeah. So when I wrote, when I um, read The Power of Now, uh, sorry, the Think and Grow Rich, um, it kept telling me, yo, make a team of people mm. that you think you miss quality wise, but get the best of the best, you know, don't. And then, um, uh, I came in touch with Mano, our manager, Mm -hmm. and he, he approached us at a time that we were like on our lowest. Yeah. And I played him in my house stuff. And he was like, yo, Andy, I really want to work with you guys. I believe in this thing. And there were no bookings. So I was like, yo, a manager who believes in the sound, without knowing when his first paycheck is going to come is the kind of guy I can work with. Yeah, and we started you. working and it clicked so good. He had a similar vision. And for the label, I had this guy called Dan Carter mm. who did our management in 2015 okay. for a year. And I met him while he was writing up blogs and doing stuff like that in 2009. Mm. And we always stayed in touch and it was such a good connection and when I started like building the whole new team, I said, I want to work with the people who work with me when I was at my lowest. Yeah. 
I don't want no manager to like, oh shit, you're gonna earn so much this year. That means twenty percent. Yes, I want to work with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know. So I'm. Yeah, that's why I decided. Yo, we need to build a team who understands what we stand for, and that's what we did in the last couple of years. You know, and now the first track came out on our label, The Boys in the Club, and we're just building everything that I have in mind that I want to start building. I'm doing. You know, we started our own publishing company mm. with Warner Brothers that we set up this year, where we signed like seven songwriters, and we're doing the label, and we're gonna, we're gonna start doing the parties, but everything step by step. You know? Yeah. Because it's uh, if you have a vision in your mind. Just get the people to build your team that you can reach your vision, but with a team that understands what, what your destination is. I think that's the... It's amazing, man. I also think it's about having people in the team that their vi- they everyone else has a vision as well for their lives, right? Everyone else has. So, like, I, I talk about this a lot with my manager. Is like, what is it that he wants? What does he want to get out of all of this? Mm-hmm. And what's his plan because I want his plan to fit in with my plan so that maybe maybe his plan is to kind of build a a huge management company. I, it's not, but maybe it is to build a huge management company with loads of managers mm-hmm. and loads of artists. So how do we get that as well? How do we get that for, for, for him um, using my career as well and using his, his experience in, in the career in, in music industry? And I think that's the thing is having people that actually both of your of your or all of your kind of dreams and goals in life is kind of works together, right? Yeah, definitely. It's so it's so connected. People a lot of times see everything separate, but when one of those things is out of balance, it can mess up everything else in your whole in your whole ecosystem. Mm, yeah. You know? No, man. And it goes back to ego again. It goes back to that first thing that we were talking about is that if you, if you, everyone in your team, if you take, if you, if you, I'm trying to get the words out, but if you're like kind of selfish and not taking their lives and their families and their friends and their relationships and their goals and dreams into account, you're not going to have a strong team. Never. And you're not going to get to where you want to get to as in your career. And this isn't just in music. This is in life. It's, it's with everything. If you're, if you're, yeah. if you run a company and you don't look after the, the employees and, or you have a relationship and you don't look after and you don't kind of like nurture that relationship, it's not going to go anywhere. Bro. I, I so agree with you. And the, 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 I've seen so many, big artists treat their team as shit yeah. because they think that is that a big star. Mm. And in the end, bro, your company will not function if you don't have a happy team. Yeah. And then again, it's egos because he thinks like, no, I'm the big man. And you know, and that's, that's something that I've been working on. I mean, sometimes because it's your product, when someone tells you something that you're not, that you don't agree with, you can get that attitude like, no, but I think it's like this. Mm. And that's the that's the power. Take a step back, really listen to what the person says, you know, and have yeah. a conversation instead of it being a one-way street. Yeah, it's, it it's all about keeping the team 
happy and let them feel respected too. Because yeah. if you have a manager who's like, yo, bro, I can't even give you feedback because you're not open for feedback, then how are we going to improve the company? Yeah. And vice versa. If you can't challenge your manager, if you can't challenge the team around you and be like, no, I don't agree with this and and be able to have a like a healthy relationship of disagreement. Disagreement is so key. Bro, people have to understand that a dis- there's nothing wrong with a healthy discussion, mm. you know? And I mean, from the, that's, that's um, the two cultures that I know, like I have my culture from Suriname and Curacao yeah. and I have my Dutch culture. Mm. When, I mean, with all the respect, my people from the Caribbean, it's hard to have a discussion. Okay. Because we're so snappy yeah. that it becomes almost a big argument in a matter of a couple of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, and yes, because there's so much emotion and fire so in everything that we do. Yeah. And then you have the Dutch who can tell you that you're the biggest thief in the world, and he's just sitting. Chilling and selling you with the biggest smile on his face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man, I love it. And and that's the balance. I mean, you have to keep the fire. But when people are having like discussions, don't let the emotions t- let you take over. Mm. Just you know, and that's the balance that I think is is. <laughs> life. Oh man, I you, I we see it so often. I I do anyway. People reaction reacting on emotion rather than like sitting back and evaluating and. Twitter is that whole thing. Twitter is mm-hmm. just, Twitter is everyone reacting on emotion because you you see one thing that fucking makes you go crazy and bam respond to it. Yeah, like it's it's such a wild time at this moment in time. But I think if if everybody could n- learn to see something, go through the emotion yourself maybe talk to somebody close to you and then respond after you've kind of felt about like and thought about it and gone through those feelings. The response is going to be much healthier for everyone. I think we should have like an email or a Twitter lock. Like if someone posted, you can't reply within one hour. You need to wait. (laughs) (laughs) Have a think about it and then come back. I totally agree. I totally agree, man. Because it's like, it's like when you're drunk and or like off your head, and you like text your ex partner or something like that. You just like it's you the know, same thing. It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's the worst. Oh, crazy. We've all done it. We've all done it. Oh and- man, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. I'm telling you, I'm the worst because. My emotions run up so high sometimes that Dorothy's like, Andy, come on, mm. come on, have. Sometimes I reply shit back and I didn't even read the email right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, but it's all part of the part of the the whole thing. It's life process, right? Yes, it is. It's life process. And as long as you as long as you're self-aware and you can actually process yourself and be like, oh, I did that wrong. I, I can't do that in future. Yes, that's 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 the key. Yeah. <laughs> that process is so hard to get to, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I love it. I love seeing my mates do it as well. I love, I like, 
I've got a couple of mates that are always like responding on emotion and I just watch it and I'm like, this is, this is going to end so badly, but I kind of like watching it. It's kind of a dick move, but I just like stoke the fire a little bit sometimes and just see, to see them burn at the end and then be like, mate, I told you, you should not have done that. (laughs) It's not good. So let's talk about the record label. Um, and also the records the first the, is boys in the club the first record yes it's a soft launch because i said guys let's do the label like the first release with boys in the club mm. but let's just figure everything out yeah you know it's key how are we going to do everything mm. no rush and with this record we're learning what we need to learn and then in i think september is going to be the first like main release yeah yeah that's amazing you know and i I always wanted to do a label Mm. but i didn't want to do it like without a plan yeah you know what i mean like just put out a label and then just drop it on beatport and we'll see what happens i was like no no we need a team of guys who really know what they're doing because otherwise It's going to be me, be me sitting in the studio, like loading up songs and be like, no, no, I'm not that. No. Yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's the, what's the label called? Dope. Dope. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And Boys in the Club is doing really flipping well. I didn't expect it, Will. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I have, I've had this record for a year and a half, I think. And every time I would just play in my set, as a record in between mm. because for me it's a really simple record yeah like compared to the time that i put in bombini yeah and the time that i put in you know for me it was a simple record but every time i played it people were like yo that, that track boys in the club and i was like yeah and what about the other track that i spent three weeks on you know and yeah. then with the team we said let's do that as a first record and I'm not going to lie. I did not expect, like, yesterday, uh, even daytime BBC mm. started playing it. And I'm like, all right. You know, as as long as things grow organically, yeah, I'm okay with it. I was, um, I, last night I got in the car and I was going to meet some friends for a pizza. And I got in the car and it was on the record. Annie was playing it. Annie oh. was playing it on the radio. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> But I didn't know it was on your label. I, I didn't know it was the first release on your label. I didn't yeah. know what label it was on, but I didn't know it was it was on on your label. And um, I love the artwork. It's like it's different. Oh, thank it's, you. It's wicked, yeah, I, man. I have this friend um, called Tuan, and uh, with the label, I said, you know what? Even the artwork, mm. I want to do something different. Yeah. I want to have an artist creating something that doesn't look like the other records or labels are doing right now because mm. with all the respect for all the labels, a lot of times the artwork looks so much the same. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost a hype. Yeah. The the artwork. And I was like, no, let's let's for every for every song, let's design something special that yeah. fits the artist at that present time. No, I like that a lot. I, I do like that. With when I sat down um and planned what we have is now, that was like a key thing for me with the artwork is like each year is going to be a different theme, although the record label logo is just going to be the center attention of of the like the artwork. 
but I really like what you've done with that. It kind of kind of reminds me of like old Motowny vibes. Yes, yes, that's exactly what we went for. Too. Yeah, it's sick. <laughs> we said it needs to be um, a bit Motown, soulful, but still edgy. Mm. You know, so. Yeah, the guy he, he he understood the the boxes that we saw. Oh, like yeah. you want to do this and do this. So, yeah. are you going to be um, signing other people on there as well? Yes, yes, definitely. But at first, um, it's going to be our own tracks. I think till the end of the year. Yeah, and then beginning of next year, we have some really good releases of 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 artists coming. Nice. And um, yeah, I just want to have artists on there who try some different kind of stuff, you know, because um, there's so much good music out there, but the music that's always different is harder to sign. Mm-hmm. You know, I noticed that with my own records and stuff like that, while I think on the dance floor right now, if you have records that are just a bit different than the the, the, the stuff that everybody's doing, you can get um, the artist stimulated again to try different stuff because if the artists are in the studio and they know that when a track sounds different than what everybody else is doing, it's harder to sign. So hard. Everybody is going to play the safe play because then that's the easier way to sign their records. Well, I think, I think this is like, I've been talking about this a lot to a few people recently and it's, there's, there's two things, right? Record labels a lot in our industry, in our like, very small kind of scene in the grand scheme of things um you have a few record labels that have a specific sound right yeah and the, every yeah. every artist knows especially when you're starting out i need to sign to these record labels to get dj to to, to be to, to, to have a career right yeah and that's for me my my theory behind this is it's lazy a and r in and it's lazy promoting at for clubs promoters and th- i don't want to be disrespectful there's some amazing a and r's out there and some amazing promoters out there but it is creating an industry of the same shit every fucking day listen we've seen that with so many scenes mm. you know and uh, that's where like the, 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 how do you call it? The challenge I think right now for house music is to, yeah, to get those guys to sound different because otherwise you're going to get that problem where everything at a party is going to sound exactly the same. Yeah. You know, we need the DJs to keep their own ID for the lineup to be like, oh shit, he's playing. Oh, that sounds different. Mm. Okay, he's playing. Oh yeah, I know this because his sound is, that's, I think that's what, needs to be kept alive. I totally agree. And the thing is, is pop music is very interesting because pop music at this moment in time is very formulaic and it always has been over the years, right? Like you have different parts of the pop industry and it it just happens that they all kind of start sounding the same and then something else comes along. But I don't go to the role, like a, a Rolling Stones concert for them to be playing Beach Boys. I go them to be listening to Rolling Stones um, and I go to a Beach Boys concert to watch Beach Boys. So for me, I don't want to sound like Shermanology. 
I don't want to sound like Jamie Jones. I don't want to sound like anybody else. But the industry is making artists sound like everybody else because you have to sign to these record labels that these DJs own. They are yes. They they they're, they're just morphing all the artists to sound like them, and then it's mm-hmm. just one big hodgepodge of oh, I don't know who the, this record could be. Anybody's on this yeah. record label It's yeah. not a specific <laughs> person. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what's going on, and you know I think with with dope, you know I think it's um, that's a challenge. Mm. Like do different stuff, and maybe it won't be. The track that goes top ten straight ahead on Beatport, but I really don't care. Who gives a fuck, just, man? Who gives a I fuck? Just, yeah, I just want people to be like, yeah, those guys always come with dope music, dope music. Yeah, you know. So, well, yeah. I, I think that's the thing is there's actually two, there's there's two ways to take the business right, and it goes back to what we were saying right at the beginning about building foundations and kind of taking the the slow road, the slow road and doing what really feels right for you is because you could quite happily turn your record label into just like a, a machine, right? Yeah. You could sign a load of tech house and when you, you could put a, an Instagram out, a tweet out and kind of put feeds out into the industry, hit your mates up and be like, guys, we're right. We're making a record label. This is the sound we want. Send your music in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or there's the other way, and you could put a release out every week because there's gonna there's that much music out there. Like, I I get emails sent to my record label email. I'm not even asking people to send. I'm not even signing people right now, hmm. and I'm still getting records sent. And it all it's, it's this sounds awful, and I don't mean this in a horrible way, but it's what people think I want to sign. But it, what it is, it's actually everyone's looking at what's being popular right now and they're making that music rather than going, this is who I am. This is what I love. This is this is something a little bit different. Like It's like everyone trying to copy what's number one in, on Beatport or what's doing well on the streaming and yeah. who's hot right and now. You know, and you know what, what was also a really important thing that for me was, was, was quite hard? Like... Uh, as you said earlier that you know as artists you evolve mm. you know you do you do you did the dirty bird thing totally. first and then you you know and um i compare it to people on the dance floor like 10 years ago you were dancing to different music than you're dancing on today yeah you know maybe you had an r&b uh, period you had your techno period you had your you know and i think as an artist um your mind also changes mm-hmm. but a lot of audience like no but He's known for that. Yeah. Why doesn't he make that anymore? You're like, guys, but same, same as you. Mm. Your mind evolves. Your way of thinking evolves. Everything changes. So, yeah. you know, just make what, what you feel. I also think that maybe as artists and people in the industry, I don't actually think it's the, the people that listen to our music. Maybe it is, but I think it's the people in the industry that actually put us in a, in a box and Definitely, because we all know that like America's amazing for it right you could have a festival and somebody would be wanting to go and see Seth Troxler and then they want to go and see Tiesto yeah it's so yeah. open-minded in, in, mm-hmm. in and in the UK I don't really know I've not I've not 
been touring in the UK that much for like a long time. So it's wrong for me to, to kind of judge that. Um, but from what I see on social media, it's more so like, it's not, it's a little less open-minded, but I could be completely wrong. But I think, yeah. I think, I think that comes from the industry and, and the pe- the people in the industry is like the, the, the record label owners and, and the promoters that they're not putting diverse lineups on. They're not putting, they're not signing really interesting music. Um, it's like, it has to be the formulaic, what, what we like and what, what works and what's easy for us to just package up Mm -hmm. and sell. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. It's definitely industry people too. More, as you say. Yeah. 100%. Hmm. But I think by doing it the way that you're doing it is it's a longer game. It's going to take longer to kind of get that. Yeah. But once you've got it, it will be 100% worth it. Dirty Bird did it back in the day. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's kind of a shame to see where... Uh, not, not that I dislike what Dirty Bird's releasing, but they went through a period of it all sounding the same mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and as much as i i love them i i would tell barkley that anyway so it's, mm-hmm. it's not like anything i wouldn't say to him um and recently they've been releasing some really different stuff and some really cool mm-hmm. shit but that's what drew me to dirty bird back in the day is that it was everything that they were putting out you knew it was a dirty bird record yes but it yes. was they had that balance perfectly yeah the records didn't sound the same, no. but sonically and, and, and how those records sounded, bro, I hated you <laughs> for your records on Dirty Bird. Bro, I would listen to that shit. Like, how the hell did he mix that? How? Well, I didn't. <laughs> didn't mix it. <laughs> That's the thing. I didn't know what mixing listen, was then. Those, those records, my God. I think that's my... I ain't gonna lie. I never told you this, but I think your records were the biggest inspiration for me. To oh, be like, you. okay, you can be, do something that's totally yours without sounding like anyone else and still mm. be effective on the dance floor. So, thank yeah, you, man. Thank you. It means a lot. Um, yeah, it, I, I guess it's just, yeah, oh, man, I listen to some of my old Dirty Bird stuff and they're like, what the fuck were you doing, Will? Like, <laughs> technically, it sounds awful, but it worked. <laughs> It, it worked, bro. It worked. I, I, I like the mixes, to be honest. Sometimes mm. things were like really loud or in your face, but that's the sound. That yeah. was that sound that worked where like the effects that normally producers would put in the back, like Dirty Bear would put the effect like, yeah, like yeah. in your face. And then, I don't know. I really liked, um, I, I actually, I really liked it. I actually learned that from one of my old, old my very first manager, actually. Um and he was like a guy called Pete Goodin. Um, and we had our differences and things like that over the years, but he kind of did mentor me right at the beginning of my career. And he wasn't really a producer. He was a D- great DJ, um, like a big long time resident DJ in Ibiza um, for Cafe Mambo. But he, um, he's, I remember him telling me, he was like, you just have to like if you put something in a record, it has it has to give something. Yeah. It has to be there for a reason. It can't just be a little thing in the background that 
it sounds all right, but they can barely hear it. it. Like put it at the front of the mix. And, and, and I've stuck to that every, every day. That's why I like my kicks are so like big, but they're not like generic techno kicks. It's like, it actually is done for a reason like my snares are like I put them very high in the mix because I want them to cut through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's really important if you've got elements in your records that you that you put them loud. Just put yeah, it loud. put them loud. Yeah. Well, I, I in, in the beginning when I was producing for me it was all like little things in the mm. back and then I would like fight with the mix. Yeah. You know, and right now I'm like, yo, if I have 10 elements, but all those 10 elements, I'm going to work yeah. that element. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in there that's not worked. Even yeah. a hi-hat, if everything has to sit exactly where I want it to sit. Yeah. You know, but that's also time and 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 experience Practice. and messing around with, with every plugin you have. <laughs> yeah. To get where you want to be. Yeah, I'm also just super lazy when it comes to, like, the mix down of it. I... It's the one thing that I'm not good at, if you know what I mean. No. And and I have to work really hard at it to get yeah. it good. Especially like we've got a record called Searching coming out. That record took me so long to mix. Like so long to mix. Um and but when you get it, when you hit it, you're like, Oh my god, yeah, it sounds yeah. great. I mean, I don't do the final uh, mixes of my tracks because okay. I mix I mix during the process and mm-hmm. I have it for like 90%. Yeah. Like I know like every distortion, everything effect-wise and everything is like I do it myself. Yeah. And then I have this friend of mine, uh, Alex Salmon, mm-hmm. who just does like the last balance and just touch it up like here and there to get some compression extra yeah. or, you know, those small details. Because when I sit so much on a record, sometimes I can't be objective anymore. Yeah. You know, and then I really want to put the vocal that loud because, no, if you just put it a bit back and just mm. put it over here, people will hear the vocal too, Andy. It's it's all right. <laughs> and, and my biggest struggle is the kick and the bass line because I'm so addicted right. to the bass line mm. that I put it so loud. And when I get to the club, <laughs> I'm like, why is the bass line so loud, brother? You can turn it down like five, six dB and it's still good. And it still sounds great. Yeah, it's dangerous, that, isn't it? It's like, it, it is hard to just like get that bad, especially when you're in the studio and it's like a vibe and you're like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. And then you come back to it the day after and you're like, well, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> you know, you know how many times I, I, I take shit away from Instagram, like in the moment and I pull like, yeah, working on this track. And then I go and play some PlayStation, look back on my phone, listen to Please get take this shit off your Instagram and shit sound like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I feel you with that. It's funny. It's funny. But um, so you you go to somebody else to finish the mixes. Do you do you find the like extra five percent really like makes a difference? For the crowd, it doesn't. Yeah, but for you, but it's it's for me. Yeah, it's, you know yeah. because it it really doesn't matter. Sometimes I even in sets play the old wrong version and the, and the crowd really doesn't know. Yeah. You know, and like if like some guys don't mix their track mm. and then send it to an engineer and then they get a totally different track back. With me, mm. it's just loudness. Yeah. That I get my track back a bit louder and, and some cuts of the EQ. So some things cut through a bit more. Yeah. But it's always the same mix as I did, like level wise. It's yeah. only like 
cleaning it up. But sonically, it's um, yeah, I I do it for eighty ninety percent. Yeah, man. No, I I'm with what I do is I speak to my master and engineer, and kind of be like what what do you think of this and then he gives me a p- few pointers and then i go back and change it and i'm like yeah that's what that's what i needed bro that's that's um, and i'm working on like the similar structure because mm. i have this guy um i forgot his name he, he mixes everything for solar and for 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 andy our creations i think i think it's ampm yeah PM. andy that's who i use oh andy. bro listen i got this mix i got this master back because he mastered boys in the club. Yeah. But then he mailed me back like, yo, if you take away from the kick a few frequencies mm. and just push over here. And then I was like, yo, this is the kind of engineer yeah. I need. Yeah. Because other engineers take your shitty premix, mm-hmm. master it, send it back and be like, give me my money. Give me my money. Bitches. And when he got me, when he came up with pointers, I was like, you are the man I need. That's who I use. He's the best. Okay, yeah. Okay, now tell him. Tell him I said hi. I will. He's he's the <laughs> best, man. Um, I, yeah, he's, and he's quick, but yeah, his. He also mixes down stuff as well. He does. He does mix down stuff if you want him to. Um, you can do stems or you can do, just like yes, stem mastering or or stem mixing. Okay. Um. He's great. I've worked with a guy called Steve Dubs before, um, who is a master in engine, a mixer engineer. He he's like the silent partner of Chemical Brothers, mm. and um, very old school mix guy. Like runs everything through an SSL desk. Like super, super old school. But even going through that process with him and working on a record with him was just like being in the room and just being like, okay, this is how is and i think that's what i want to do eventually is i want to build i want to get a desk and then mix after and run everything through the desk and mm-hmm. kind of go uh, like use the sliders and then have because comp- a lot of those desks have built-in compressions and things bro like that. listen you are where i am listen this is the list of my desk and everything <laughs> that i want to go get i'm telling you this i'm at exactly the same place bro because mm. Once you have everything set out, yeah, and you can listen. I think that's gonna make such a difference 100%. in, you know, instead of in the box, it's good. But certain things you need to try, mm. and if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to the box. Yeah, but for now, like I, the first thing that I bought was the machine mm-hmm. from Native. Mm-hmm. Great, and my drum sounds so. I mean, I balance it out because you don't want only clean sounds yeah. because then your track becomes too clean. Mm-hmm. But when I mix the, 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 the samples with the machine stuff, yeah, I've never had, sometimes I, I get a kick out of this thing and I'm like, yo, I don't need to do anything with this kick because I'm used when I take a kick from a sample pack or whatever, I need to compress and I do, need to do loads of things to get that fatness. Yeah. While in here, you're like, bro, if this is one, two, if I have like, let's start with six, three each side, bro, your sound is going to have such a different dimension. Yeah. And this, the, the, I've been competing sonically with guys who have analog gear. Yeah. And the battle 
it's not fair. Sometimes, <laughs> listen, sometimes you hit in something like in a keyboard or like whatever, and it sounds good. Mm. But I know that when you press something on that Moog over there, bro, the the way that that bass line has. Yeah. It's, it's so weird because I think there's two parts to it. And like, I have pretty much done most of my stuff in the box my like my whole career and and still is most of my stuff is in the box apart from a few like my like drums my like hats are all um majority of the time my hats are all drum machine stuff um and i don't i don't know what it is but you can get in the box to sound as good as analog however it's a process that's it. And it te- the process actually slows down the the uh creative creativity kind of yeah. flow. But also hardware gives us a limit. Because once you've recorded that take, you can't get that take again. And once you've turned off your synths, you can't get that sound exactly how you got it again. And I think that's the amazing thing is that it actually stop it stops you overthink or it stops me overthinking things and being like oh this could be better let's tweak this let's tweak that let's no i've recorded the take i can't do anything else about it now Just yeah have you to, have to commit yeah at an early stage yeah 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 and i think that's really key and i it goes back from back in the day before there was computers and like in-house and techno at the beginning and it's that simplicity of records like the Marshall Jefferson, some of the mm-hmm. some of his records, mm-hmm. like just all, Frankie Knuckles, all these old school records that just hit hard, like um, Green Velvet. Like mm-hmm. none of this stuff was like it was literally written with a drum machine and a and a and a synth, and that's yeah. it. And I think having limitations in the studio and giving yourself limitations and being like, no, this is what I'm going to write the record on today. And you're going to come up with an absolute banger mm-hmm. because you're, it's, it has to be so simple. And I think what happens with, with um, software is that you, like I, I'm working with somebody at the moment and she's a she, mus- musician, musically she's unreal, absolutely unreal. But her sessions are just fucking full of so much shit. And it's a lot of the time it's just be like, okay, let's strip it back to the original. Strip it back to that that baseline, that melody, the keys, and let's just build something super simple. And the minute you strip it back, you're like, oh, wow, it's got space. It's got mm-hmm. a place to move and breathe. And that's yeah. what hardware gives me and allows me to do is just like simple, simplicity. Yeah. No, I'm, I totally agree. So that's, I think it's going to be the, the, the goal. What's on your list? I want to know. <laughs> I got the... Um, there's some modular stuff. Oh, like man, Erica, that's dangerous. The You're- Erica Synth bass line, the Mod Bass, Soundforce 909. Um, I want to get the... Where is it now? The Arturia Poly Brute, like the big yeah, synth, yeah, yeah. crazy sounds. Uh, the Arturia B-Sap. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Erica drum modulator. So a lot of like modules and and synths and so, uh, what's and the desk. What's, what's the desk called again? Where is it now? Oh, it's not even on here. Shit, it's gonna cost even more. I thought the desk was in there. Dude, the desks are so expensive. What was what's the name of the desk that I wanted to get again? Wait, let me, let me look for it. <laughs> I I've been looking at desks recently, and I'm like, oh shit, I need to earn some more money. I need to earn a whole lot more money before I can get a desk. Because what kind of desk do you have in mind? I want to get an API or an SSL. Oh, okay. Yes, you're going that league. I get you yeah. now. Yes. 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 There's an API that's like 15 grand. That's like a small, I think it's like 16 channels. And I'm like, that could work. Um, that, that could be nice. But I want to like set it up. Like... I don't want to have. I want the mixing process to be separate to the to the producing. So I kind of want like my mixing setup, like my producing setup here, and then my mixing setup behind me. So I like bounce the stems out and then run everything through like a whole new system, and can just kind of take the whole. Because I I really dislike it when you see like in studios and you just got the like the, the laptop on the desk. And it's just like, come on, man. Like... Man, man. <laughs> oh, man, you can't. We, when we, we went to L.A. Uh, to work on, on on some different pop albums, and you guys would come in, have the whole SSL mm. desk, yeah, and take, like, the plastic thing, put yeah. it on top to put the laptop. <laughs> exactly. Listen, we were in the studio for three months. He didn't turn on the SSL once. Exactly. Bro, I was like... Bro, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like dude just send your drums through it like send everything through it and it's gonna sound a little bit different it's just it's just gonna sound different and you can just mm-hmm. tell but that's kind of what i want to do is i want or maybe like have something on the set on the side so i can run everything through it and then like even just run my synths through it as it's coming back in it's kind of going to give it a little bit more but yeah, that's long-term goals, man. Long-term yeah, goals. man, let's get it. I need to it's, be... a long, it's, a long, it's a long journey, so let's go for the long term. The one thing I would say is on your drums, drum drum machines, uh, let me send you some links to, to the drum machines that are ridiculous. Um, I like that. Because the 909s and all of that are great, but you the samples are so good out there of the 909s and everything like that i i personally wouldn't get one i've got the 808 the tr 808 yeah. thing and it's great it's 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 amazing but roland have done the roland cloud and they do a 808 on there and i'm just like well i don't yeah they, they do the 909 they do all of that so i'm like i can get all the sounds that yeah it's not it's not analog and it's but it's easy it's so yeah. easy um but i've got this ads avp ads7 um mark 2 and it's like i sit chef see if you can see it it's that thing here it's a beast but also the tansbar tansbar light mfb tansbar they've got a bigger one that's a small one i could only afford the small one when i first got that got it um, but the MFB Tans bar is beautiful and it's like unreal and it's German. It's so okay. German. 
Yeah, you know what the thing is with the drum machines, and I, I'm trying to figure s- certain things out because at the moment I draw everything like groove wise, yeah. and and like I, I just mess up all my samples and mess with the groove and just you know. So yeah. with a drum computer, everything is a bit more on it. How do yeah. yeah? I mean, you have your grooves and stuff, but you can move it like, I mean, you can, but I'm so used to samples moving it around reverse here you know that creativity and with a with a drum machine you're more like okay we set it here here are the claps here are the you can still move it around but i have to find a way to implement that with you know our our sound but well, it's, well, it's so, so what i do is i will record it in i record each individual sound in and then you and then use it as a sample so i'm getting the the hardware sound but then i'm using it as a sample yeah, that's exactly how I'm doing it with the with the machine to yeah. bounce it in there, and then yeah. it's it's so much better. But on on all these um, drum machines, there's like swings and kind of yeah shuffles and stuff like that. Send me the links, brother. I'm going to check man. that out. I'll send you the links, man. Uh, we've just done an hour and ten minutes. Um, oh shit! Yeah, I know it's fucking flown by, <laughs> and I would say we can keep going, but I've got to bake some bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, all good. Before we go, um, how can people follow you, listen to the new single, send you music for the record label? Like, tell, tell the people. Yeah, just uh, we're, we're setting, setting everything up for the label, like the emails and everything. But check us out, like Shermanology on Instagram, Spotify, Beatport. And yeah, a lot of new things coming. So let's roll it out legend man thank you for being on also thanks for being the best i've i've loved working with you over the last like couple of years man it's it's the best same here bro and so relaxed no stress just (laughs) apart from fucking keyboard players um That's an inside joke no one's ever going to get, so sorry. Um, but yeah, dude, thank you. And I, I really cannot wait for this music to come out um, Bro, and people to hear it. It's like, Listen, these two songs that we have, I'm going to be pumping them through the summer. I can't wait, man. I really can't wait. Um, and when they're out, come back on and let's have a conversation about the process and kind of talk about that. And let's get Dorothy on as well. It'd be yes, next time. Well, it was my mistake because when you told me at the time i thought it was uk time so i told dorothy oh if you're here around 12 like dutch time they're like oh yeah and yeah, i messed it up i told yeah you can come but just for the closing maybe so next time yeah man definitely you're always welcome and keep safe and hopefully i can get out to amsterdam and see you guys as well sounds good my brother keep safe man love you dude take peace. care peace and that's a wrap loved it i hope you enjoyed it please subscribe please share Please comment, keeps the stories coming in. It's the only way this podcast keeps going. Uh, Keep safe. Have the best week. See you soon.